This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. All right, folks, welcome back once again to the DLR Cast, your podcast by and for fans of the mighty one, the diamond one, David Lee Roth. As always, I'm Steve, along with my good friend and partner in Dave Crime, Darren Palchowitz. What's happening, Darren? We've got we've got some news, man, that's going to affect possibly affect your travel plans. Yeah, the partner in Dave Crime thing. That was a was that a live one or that that was good, dude. That was live. No post-it notes, no nothing. It just occasionally wow. I can get a little inspired. Just nothing but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, in th- in this case, pulling the curtain back, we had an episode in the can. I made fun of Vince Neil a lot in that episode, and we had to scrap that episode <laughs> because, as always. Dave likes to make news when he feels like making news. <laughs> exactly. And we joked in that scrapped episode that very often we will, and we just recorded this a couple of days ago, we will right after, as soon as we stop recording and in a day later or sometimes a couple hours later, something will show up, a painting, which we'll get to in a minute, some odd stuff, some news announcement that just the way it shows up right after we, we tape. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Yeah, we were taping an episode and my wife was like waving her phone at me a couple of feet away while I was taping it. So I'm thinking like, what, are we being too loud again? And then, no, it's Dave eight minutes ago has posted something. And we, you know, we laughed about that on the air. And then it turned out he put up an audio message along with that where he claimed the Frankenstrat was his idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, Steve, like I, it comes across. People give feedback on this program. Say, I like Steve. He's a great guy. That Darren, he's just making fun of everything. He's complaining a lot. But oh, come Steve, on. am I, am I nuts here for thinking what is he talking about? Yes, because <laughs> this. You mean to tell me this didn't show up any time in the last forty years or so? Are you kidding? I mean, just that's the. Fr- I'm like. Whoa, is this some sort of revisionist history? I mean, how does this just pop up? Yeah, that this reminds me of two, three years ago when Dave put out the thing where he said that he not only wrote everything on Van Halen one, but he structured the guitar solos. And up until that point, I was believing everything that Dave ever said about anything. You just go, okay, you know, he's massaged it for entertainment value. But as we've begun to do more and more interviews, we've heard that maybe he wasn't in the room for some of the songs being written that he's credited as having co-written. So that shot credibility for me a little bit. Well, I think what happens is, I mean, I think the idea is, and we got to bring this back around to the the announcement and how it might affect your travel plans. But I think... You know, in reading the Noel Monk books and reading a Noel Monk's book and Greg, uh, um, uh, Greg Renoff's amazing book that, I mean, I don't know if there was, I mean, some, you know, sometimes they went to the studio with nothing yeah, and they would hear some things and Dave would run out to the Mercury and write lyrics, right? And just, uh, you know, so, I mean, the idea of all four of them or even just two of them sitting in a room working out verse, verse, chorus, what do you got there? Can you do a key change over there? What do you think of this? Do you know what I mean? I don't think that sort of woodshedding ever really happened, right? I mean, yeah. maybe in the very early years, some of that stuff, 
I'll I'll give Dave a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he kind of hummed a melody for a guitar solo, but that's even a stretch. And I'm not saying he couldn't do it. I'm not saying he didn't do it years later in his solo career where he has what much more musical knowledge under his belt, right? But yeah. That's just another thing that we don't really know behind the curtain. And Dave's history, the songwriting process there, now it worked out. And because certainly they had so much a backlog of stuff, right? Like yeah. I was just, I was just reading Eruption earlier today, and there's a portion of it where in the interview where in the '96 reunion that wasn't, right? Um, Eddie talks about giving Dave some songs to work with. And that was me wise magic and can't get this stuff no more. And then he hung in there and he, and he worked on, what was that? Did he give him some work tapes? Did he say, Hey, do you, here's some riffs to put something towards this. Do you know what I mean? Or was it yeah. Eddie and Alex sitting there and possibly Michael, although I doubt it just because it was always Eddie and Alex in the studio, just going, Hey, I got this sort of thing. And then Dave kind of scatting along in a microphone kind of just, I mean, that's the thing who it could have been all those things, right? We, we just know. don't know. The video shortly after Eddie passed, that was him in Jason Becker's living room visiting with him. He plays some of Me Wise Magic when he's just noodling around. So that predates that. And what I'd heard from interviewing Ross Hogarth, who uh, engineered A Different Kind of Truth, was that Dave cut the vocals and wrote the lyrics separately from the rest of them. And we saw plenty of Van Halen sound checks where they're rehearsing instrumentally without Dave around. So I think this, this is my spitballing here. Maybe there's a couple of times where he sang a guitar lick at him. Right. But not everything. That is insanity. No, no, so no. I think something like this could be, Hey, Eddie, you're a star guitar player. It would be really something if you had a really unique design to your guitar. And somehow that involves, evolves to, you know, the Frankenstein was my idea. I've got these two cans of Krylon numbers 23 and 24, red and black spray paint or whatever the hell it was called, just in my bag here. Yeah. Um, in fact, actually, just earlier today, and I haven't even read the whole thing yet, guitarworld.com has a story. David Lee Roth claims the Frankenstein stripes were his design, but his story just doesn't add up. Here's why. Yeah. Thank you. His story Thank has been disputed you. by Chris Gill, Guitar World contributor, Eddie Van Halen, guitar expert and co-author of yeah. Eruption, who blasted Ross Recollections, a complete revisionist fabrication that contains three key factual errors. Yeah. I see this piece. Can you can you give me an error or two live time? Yeah, absolutely. Um uh Let's see. Uh, the, it's a complete. OK, so referencing accurately dated photographic evidence, Gill notes that Van Halen's Frankenstein guitar did not appear until February 77, not 75 or 76, as Roth claimed, and originally had an unfinished rather than white body that was later photographed in May of that year with an all black colorway. Though Gill confirmed Van Halen had a 1961 Fender Stratocaster that was painted white in January 1977, he went on to say that it, quote, existed for less than a month. The white 61 Strat was taken apart very soon afterwards. And we know that. Eddie was constantly tearing up and tearing down his yeah. guitars, tearing apart, right? With its next serial number plate and vibrato tailpiece bridge showing up in February 77 on the unfinished Frankenstein body. Later in Ross' video, the vocalist posited the stripes were created by spraying red and black paint onto the white bo body. Gil, meanwhile, argued Roth, quote, gets this essential detail completely wrong and that the stripes were created by applying masking tape and spraying white paint onto the black finished Frankenstein body. 
And in response to Roth's assertion that he used three different types of tape on the white body, specifically the blue variant for pinstriping, Gill noted such tape was not invented until 1988. <laughs> By this point in time, Roth had been out of Van Halen for three years. Because it didn't even exist yet, Gill said, there is no way Ed could have used 3M blue tape, neither in the summer of 1977 when he first painted the black and white stripe motif, nor in March of 79 when he added the red coats of paint to the Frankenstein finished. In fact, Ed used torn strips of gaffer tape when applying the red coat. A piece of that gaffer tape still remains on the guitar. And of course, Roth does say in the video, yeah, I haven't looked at the guitar in years and I haven't done research. It's not a science lesson, just my memory. Okay, well, guess what? Your memory's way faulty. And I was thinking about this when this when this story first popped up on Saturday, right? And I hate it when my favorites give you those cringeworthy moments. Yeah, where you just go, ooh, you know, you know that feeling, right? Your shoulders hunch up a little bit. You make that face like like you sucked on a bad lime. And you went, ooh, oh, fuck, man, oh. come on, what? This is an unforced error, right? Yeah. Oh, What's I, the I point? Didn't, I didn't know about this article, and Chris Gill obviously knows his stuff. Oh, absolutely <laughs> does. I would listen. I would put. Come on. I mean, just. Hey, we always say we're fans and not fanboys, and you got to credit where criticism is due. We're going to call it out. I mean, this is just a cringeworthy, not necessary, just takes away from the news that just broke. And that is that Darren may be changing his travel plans to Vegas. Film at 11. Uh, so yeah. let's jump. Let's jump on that, because the news that. <sighs> It's competing with the guitar stuff is Dave added two more shows. No, four more shows. Four more shows, excuse me, to his Las Vegas run. Yeah, uh, here's the weird part about the whole thing. This morning, I was just working on the computer, and I do have to include social media in my work. It's not just Slack. Facebook is not just for slacking off. Sometimes... Uh, you know that I think that's Dave calling right now in the background. Uh, he he's hearing he wants to weigh in on this. Um, no, <laughs> I was on Facebook and there was an advertisement for Dave's residency dates. And you go, whatever happened to that statement of these are my five last shows? I will not be commenting again on this. <laughs> so he announces four more shows, and when this got picked up. The facts that I got in a press release later in the day are not what's circulating at all. Now, everyone agrees on the dates and the pre-sale is tomorrow, but there's two quotes that I didn't see until I got sent them about two hours ago by the publicist. May I read them to you? Absolutely. First quote. Uh, this part has been in all the things. I had no idea how many of you wanted to pay to see me go. The gear is already in town. I already got the room upstairs. There's a dispensary right down the street. All we're missing is you. Okay, sure, 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 sure. This is the quote that I've been waiting for for a long time, and I am not encouraged. That quote is, House of Blues in Vegas is inarguably the best place to see a slam dunk hard rock power trio like the one I'm bringing to work. We've been at work on this since the beginning of last summer on these 25 tunes. It's the classic Van Halen rack. Okay, we now know that the backing band is a power trio. <laughs> we now know that it's a 25-song uh, chart that they're working off of. 
and we know it's Van Halen centric. So, um, no keyboards uh, like the last time, no second guitarist like the last time, no three guitarists and two keyboardists like once promised. We now know it's a Van Halen show. Oh, boy. Yeah, so uh, found out about this. It goes on sale in uh, less than 24 hours. Talked about it with Mrs. Paltrowitz, and uh, I think we have to extend the trip. (laughs) God bless your wife, my friend. I'll tell you. Well, unless we get sold out of the shows. um, I'm, I'm actually going from Vegas to Utah to L.A., and I think I would then be going back from L.A. on the work trip back to uh, Vegas. Now, I don't think I'm going to be catching all four of the shows, but two is a strong likelihood. All right. So 25 songs. How many shows total? It, with the new ones involved, uh, the new ones announced? Yeah. Total? Uh, so let's see. Uh, five. So that makes nine shows. Nine shows. 25 shows, nine songs. So the odds are good. You're going to see the same set list at least twice. Yeah. No one said there'd be math involved here, but figure, go figure. There's going to be at least 12 songs. Probably that will not change from set to set. 12. 15. If we just spitball this whole thing. And if you start counting, you go Panama jump. Ain't talking about love. You really got me. <laughs> like, we're already at four right here. <laughs> just the gigolo. Just like Paradise. California Girls. We're at seven right there. Uh, uh, beautiful Girls, he's always been doing. That's eight. Everybody wants some. He's always been doing that one live. Nine. Pretty Woman. Ice Ten. Cream Man. Ice Cream Man. Eleven. <laughs> Sadly, we can, uh, did I say you really got me already? Uh, let's say you you didn't, and we're forgetting one other one. So what are we? Twelve right there. At Twelve eruption would count as one. We're... No, no, no. There will not be eruption. Please, good lord, God, I hope not. No, they do eruption. Or I something. know, but I don't want. Come on. <laughs> the same so way I feel about Tommy Thayer doing freaking shock me. Just there's one song that, or Eric Singer singing Beth. There's two songs you just don't have to do. Yes, yeah, so shouldn't we're... do. Already at 13 right there. And that's without really scratching my head a little bit. So So uh, there's 12 to 14 other songs you could choose from and like say what, maybe an 18 song set? Yeah. All right. That's where my mind is going. Uh, Big train is already learned. (laughs) Yeah. You also have to say power trio song. What do you think about that? That My it's the power first, I can, yeah. Uh, here's what I really think, and this is just me spitballing. It was going to be a two guitar show. Then Frankie left, joined Rat, was not interested in doing more of it, and they said, "Well, we could teach everybody the new song, the the new person, the new songs, and audition them and break them in and see if they're a good hang, mm, or we could just have a one guitar thing." Okay, Danny, are you doing the shows? Oh, you're not available? Hmm. Do we, do we have the, the keyboard triggers? We have them? 
Okay, so let's save about uh, 12 grand a week on salaries, hotel rooms, per diems, and equipment, and just do a power trio show like we've done at different times. See, and that bums me out because I thought, I think it would be really cool. And I'd been noodling on this for a while. So if just it really, because it's Vegas, because it's supposedly a last show, because Dave is the ultimate showman. Mm-hmm. Do something different. Rock out with the power trio with the first four or five songs, right? Mm-hmm. Do a like an uh, or not even just a just a straight on electric. I really think you should have a rhythm guitarist in there, fill it out because the only person who couldn't even come close to. Well, I shouldn't say that. You're a big fan of that show and um, the <laughs> the European show, and that was just a power trio. But right, I mean, yeah. most of his touring had been that way, but. I, you need a keyboardist. Let's just say it's a five piece up there, right? Mm-hmm. And so that you rock out the first four, five, six songs, totally kill it. Then maybe there's five or six songs in the middle there, or maybe just three or four, including Ice Cream Man, where it's just Dave on guitar and another guy on guitar. And it's just the, the bluesy, lower the lights, put out the freaking uh, dry ice fog, and that's your blues middle, right? Then you yeah. come back and maybe what if you bring out a horn section, man, and funk around with some of the arrangements? I mean, you know what I mean? A little bit. I'm not saying you have to go a complete 180 in the sound of it, but how cool would beautiful girls be with a horn set or dance, a dance? Just, you know what I mean? This is it. Pull out all the stops. Take your, take your, you know, make your artistic dreams come true. If you know what I mean? And then you close with just the killer Van Halen stuff and maybe throw in one more Dave song. That's just nothing but hard rock. I think we're on the same page here. I think that this, these shows started off as a cash grab. Let's be honest, they did. And then it evolved to, oh, contractual fulfillment. Well, okay, fine. That, that's got to be what happened here. There's no chance that this is being done for the love of it. And let's say it's a cash grab. Dave is Dave here. But I'm making up a number here. What's really the difference between netting $400,000 and $442,000. Just spend that 42 grand and make it an amazing show. Put a yeah. little throw in a horn section and, and it'll be fine. It's interesting though. I mean, God, six weeks ago, was this a power trio? Eight weeks ago? What? We don't know, but but what I'm saying is, was was that block that he was calling the rehearsals back when the other announcement happened, was that with a power trio? I believe it was because somebody had reached out to Alistrada, the guitar player, on Instagram and said, who's in the band? And he'd only said, like, Al, uh, Francis, and Ryan, the bass player. He didn't tag, you know, Danny Wagner, who is on Instagram, or Frankie, or anybody like that. So I think it's been in the making for a while. Interesting. Well, the, when I saw on Facebook today the announcement early this earlier this morning, maybe it was last night. I can't recall now, but it, the first two shows had sold out. I'm like, that makes sense. Add a couple more because it's a sellout. So let's say the sellouts are legit. I get that you're adding shows. They're, they're That's, not legit, ugh, dude. Can you keep bursting my fucking bubbles here? Come on, I'm burst your bubble here because no one else is going to talk about this. I screenshotted the shows before they went on sale, before there's a pre-sale, and they are holding tickets. They're going to, wow. Well, don't forget, we're still a, we're still a couple weeks away. 
You know, you got to paper the, give them to the whales, no, right? No, I mean, the four shows that are going on sale tomorrow, they are already holding tickets. So if you look at the grid oh. right now, yeah. So if it's a sellout, just put asterisks. No, no, no. I'm saying the first two shows said sold out on the poster. Yeah, yeah. All, all five. Uh, sorry to keep interrupting, but right, uh, no, that's what uh, I meant. Sorry. The five shows are all sold out. Uh, New okay. Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and the other ones in January are all sold out. And then the four that are going on sale tomorrow, they are already holding a certain number of tickets. Like if you look at the grid, you'll see X number of tables and then all the back rows. And you don't know if that's Live Nation reverse scalping or just VIPs or whatever. And aren't there, isn't there the, I don't know, the Yankee Rose package, the, yes. uh, the Sonrisa Savahe package, and, <laughs> you know, the different, the different levels, right? So that's got to be put aside for that stuff where you get your laminate, a little bit of hot sauce, whatever, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, so <laughs> a few hours ago, so earlier today, and I, I only saw this on Blabbermouth so far, is that, um, Blabmouth says, uh, Roth explained his decision to extend the residency in an audio message earlier today. So now what is he doing? Sending MP3s? I mean, yeah. um, <laughs> he said as trans transcribed by Blabbermouth.net, David Lee here. I had no idea how many people want to see me go. Okay. That sounded wrong. All right. Don't turn it off. David Lee here for the second time. I had no idea how many of you wanted to pay to see me go. So I'm putting more tickets on sale sale instead of doing the wrong thing and pissing more people off. And he says, I have industry professionals now ringing in telling me, Dave, at your age, you should be in the middle of your third retirement. Did you watch Rocky movies? He's on a seventh. Same guy, Rambo, fifth. He's about 14 retirements ahead of you. Just when I get out, they drag me back in. And then he says, which I don't disagree with him. He only, he's, let's put it this way. He's only announced one retirement so far. So a lot of his other contemporaries, you know, are, are deep into it. But he says, look, I'm vulnerable. I feel sensitive. If I sound that way to you, I'm in the middle of my first retirement and I'm going to extend my world goodbye tour of Las Vegas at the House of Blues for two more weekends like any good fucking barbecue, just like you would if you could. OK, I'm calling bullshit right now. This is the second <laughs> retirement. The Kiss right. tour was announced as the last tour unless it isn't. So he's already done that. He doesn't even remember what he's saying. <laughs> Uh, I, I've gone from being like the most pro David Lee Roth cheerleader ever to just really sour. Oh, dude, we got to. All right, this, here's here's a prediction, my friend. The shows will redeem you. I, I bet. I bet yeah. you're just beaming by the end of it. We're gonna do. We're gonna. We're gonna do at least one. Well, now that you're gonna be there longer, we can cut a couple episodes. Do a couple man on the street interviews. What's the vibe out there? By that, by the number of shows you're going, you're going to look around by the second and third day and go and probably recognize some people that are doing more than one show. So a couple shows with you. That's possible unless Dave has me banned from the shows as a result of the Ted Nugent article today. Ah, yes. So there's a perfect segue with, with <laughs> Ted on the Paltrow cast. Yeah, the long story short of the whole thing was they were saying, hey, do you want to interview Ted Nugent? And I've interviewed the Nugent a few times before. And even if you think his politics are absolutely wretched and god awful or whether you love him if you're an interviewer ted nugent is the easiest interview on the planet you can you go hey ted how's it going and he talks for 20 minutes and he's got his guitar and he starts playing wango tango and he says your name every 30 seconds and he's super warm as long as you drown out some of the stuff he's saying it's 
it's one of those things where like the pro wrestling bad guys in real night real life are super nice. So I do that Nugent article. They said, yeah, hold it for a couple days, post it this day. I post it. I didn't share it yet, and Blabbermouth had already picked it up because I asked a question about Dave and Van Halen. And he did not say a nice he said two nice things about Dave and Van Halen and then like three not nice things. He didn't mince words, did he? And Blabbermouth used the headline, the negative stuff in the headline, not of the course. positive stuff. And I immediately wrote to Team Nugent, and I'm like, you know, if you're tracking coverage, because I know your goal is to get as much coverage, this happened. But I didn't do that. I swear to you, I'm so sorry. And they're like, no, it's great. Do you want to talk to him again in the spring? <laughs> Fantastic, man. That's great. We should mention, too, that not only can you find that on Blabbermouth, where there's a link to your video, the, the video of the podcast interview, but you can also find that on all your podcast providers. Just look for Paltrocast. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. It's on the YouTube. It's on the Hype Magazine's website, etc. I Nugent, you know, I you're reading my mind on some of the things that he says, but at the end of the day, I'm going to call him an influential guitar player, a guitar oh. hero that makes blues cool when he's at his best. I'm not talking about the song Girl Scout Cookies. You ever hear Girl Scout Cookies by Ted Nugent? No, but I'm curious now. I mean, I, I, Ted kind of fell off my radar and that may or may not, that may or may not be partially because, um, partially because every time he opened his mouth about something it was something that horrified me politically. Having said that, you know, I think his, this new album he put out was the first album that he did in four years. I mean, through the eighties, I bought all the stuff that nobody did. I've got painkiller on cassette. I was like digging, uh, tied up in love with the, with the, with the dearly departed former bad company singer, Brian Howe. I mean, I love the damn Yankees. I have, I I just kind of he just kind of fell off my radar and and you know what he was doing with his mouth kind of just outweighed the guitar playing for me for a bit. That's that's my problem. Doesn't mean I that I was a guy who's listen. I love almost everything that guy's done. So I'm not going to tell you oh he sucked in the eighties. I'm all I, no. I I love his guitar playing and and um you know he's he's amazing. I have no problem. I mean just. I've always been a big, big fan of Ted's. And what the negative thing that he said about David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen was basically that he could never have a conversation with either of them because they were always messed up and sobriety is the best and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then I, I didn't I, I fought him a little bit on that. I said, so David Lee Roth is a fitness outdoors guy, kind of like you are. And He's rock climbing. I kind of think that maybe the parting was a little bit for show because how else would you be, you know, rock climbing like the cover? Right. Paper? And he backed off a little bit. He's like, yeah, you couldn't do that if you were drunk. He didn't then say, I'm so sorry, Dave. That's incorrect. He didn't say anything like that. Now, and but Dave is uh, Dave. Ted is, as everybody knows, is 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 uh zealously venomously what's the other lee i'm looking for you know straight edge an anti-drug an anti yeah. you know and 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 that's fine that's that's terrific um you know so i think of and he mentions a couple other people in that interview also and and um 
But, you know, it's funny because reading some of the comments on there was like, basically, well, who the hell would get a word in edgewise? They would both be talking over each other. And then I kind of had to laugh a bit because part of Ted's quote was, oh, he's out of his mind. <laughs> Before the drug part, I'm like, you know, I, it's, there's a case for that, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, what I wanted to get out of it was essentially a, a good pull quote or two about David Lee Roth being super talented. And then I was thinking in the back of my mind, like, two alphas who talk way too much like them two in a room together they need a michael anthony here or something like that well i gotta tell you and i think this is going to be an idea i've been noodling on for a future episode is yeah. to do one about you know dream collaborations who else would you like to see dave in a band with right with the caveat that you can't have a van halen you can't have Vire sheehan so who yeah. else out there is there? And I got to, and one of them I've kind of went back and forth on is Ted, because he's got that blues based Motor City Motown. He plays with a bit of funk sometimes. I mean, listen to his licks on Great White Buffalo. Listen to the stuff he did. I'm, you know, the outrageousness some of the lyrics overshadowed the fact that the guy's rhythm skills and his picking and his and just there was, it's, you know, he's been playing for fifty five years for God's sake. Journey to the Center of Mind. I mean, Dave, listen to all those songs. Right, yeah, it could be. It could be an interesting collab collaboration if you could, if you could, if, if they would both shut up for a minute. It, well, it's a, it's an interesting thing when people who are so similar don't see eye to eye. And what you have in both Dave and Ted Nugent is Dave sees himself as a soul singer. His he's not a hard rock guy at all, but he gets called hair metal and things like that because of who he toured alongside or who, how he was marketing. Well, Ted Nugent, same deal. They call him a, a hair metal guy because, hey, he played in Damn Yankees. Hard rocker, Ted Nugent, yeah. They, they do that, but Nugent, as a Detroit guy, he was not far off from the MC5, and that was something we talked about in the, in the interview. You don't think of the MC5 and Ted Nugent in the same sentence, per se, but they were playing the same clubs, the same venues at the same time. There's a grittiness and a garageness to it. And that's same with Alice Cooper, those early Alice Cooper records, which he, you know, I, I like the record, which he went back to with that Detroit Stories album, which came out last year. So, I mean, there's definitely kind of a, I don't know if it's in the water, or if it's in the air from the smog and the auto plants, but there's definitely a kind of a Detroit sound that bubbled up in the 60s and 70s that I think could have been a really interesting, interesting juxtaposition a really interesting collaboration with different people including dave and a lot of the people played with dave are from detroit the bissonette brothers john there you go yeah yeah damn <laughs> look at this it all comes back somehow we will connect the dots folks right here on the dlr cast and then we're gonna we're gonna bring together uncle ted as he likes to be called and roth we're gonna make that that love fest happen uh, I, I won't hold my breath <laughs> That that would be an interesting new podcast series, uh, getting two people like that to have a conversation and uh, <laughs> seeing what happens on the air. The The episode after that will be getting Gene Simmons on the air with, uh, I don't know, fill in the blank right there. Yeah, yeah. I, I It would be an easy one to host. You just turn on a microphone and walk behind the glass. Yeah. Hey, they're all smart. They're all smart people, but a little too smart. So, yeah, back to back to Vegas. I don't mean to sound negative. For all we know, I can be very surprised. I can walk in. I could see people who listen to this podcast 
also having a good time and we could all have a blast. But I just wish that he hadn't been sung so go, uh, I can't even talk to gung ho about those being the final five shows and letting all those people pay those scalped prices and go, here's far more. It's kind of like what happened with LCD sound system with that farewell. Do you remember their farewell stuff that they said, these these last shows are our last shows. And they made a documentary about how they're the last shows and they played Madison square garden, how tearful it was. And then they announced new shows like within nine months. It, it just gives me shades of that. It's one thing if he did these shows and went, I just had such a great time with you guys. I can't let it go. I'm so sorry. We're coming back for more due to popular demand. But to do it while calling them the final, ugh, yeah. bad in my mouth. And I mean, I mean, we discussed the first, first retirement announcement pretty in depth before and i guess i can't remember if we discussed it all but whether or not he actually needed to do this at all i mean i think we were questioning back then whether or not this was i know we were this was the actual is this is this really going to be it right i said this these are the last shows in vegas but i got one more tour i mean you can you could right you can parse that a million different ways but it's just as usual it's the it's just the oddness in the whole david lee roth galaxy of I mean, just because before, uh, let's put it this way, before this uh, announcement of new shows, right? That was Sunday, yesterday, right? That we're yeah. we're talking now, and you know, you're probably going to start listening to this on Tuesday, December seventh, let's say. So leading up to that, in the episode that we scrapped, it was all about these paintings. And while we were recording, a new one came up on Friday that looked like a, the guitar. And then there's a video component to it, and we're right. And this is after we recorded. And then all of a sudden, as if that wasn't news enough, you know, and Wolfgang said something complimentary was in an interview recently, but all of a sudden, if that wasn't news enough, bam, these new shows. Yeah. There was and then on top of that, some guy interviews Ted Nugent. <laughs> Dude, that's that I'm looking at Google News right now, right? News about David Lee Roth. Search David Lee Roth, click over on news, blabbermouth, David Lee Roth extends Vegas residency. Guitar World, David Lee Roth claims of Frankenstein stripes are his design. Blabbermouth. Ted Nugent says he couldn't have a meaningful conversation with David Lee Roth. The guy was out of his mind. You're, dude, you're the third trending story for fuck's sake. So, wow. um, I mean, and then it's the guitar again from Music Radar, Ultimate Classic Rock as a music, and then Las Vegas General Review, David Lee Roth extends Vegas World Goodbye Tour. So this happens. He's competing against himself, for God's sakes. Yeah, you have brought up in a few episodes about wanting to put together the fantasy band. I come from the school of thought. I want to put together the fantasy team that actually keeps him on track and organized <laughs> and, and structured. So you're like, okay, so Rick Rubin is going to do his album. And then Mitch Schneider is going to be the publicist. And then <laughs> and then Irving Azoff is going to manage him. And uh, then arguably you could say he would be a legitimate arena headliner on his own instead he's going out with a series of club shows what why does the greatest frontman of all time want to go out this way it is vegas he does love vegas it is kind of an appropriate venue i guess i mean it's not that small of a place he can't house of blues yeah 2000 they say that but when you stand in there you know, 
you could throw rotten fruit from the back row and hit the drummer on stage. It is the, such an intimate club in the middle of a casino. I was just going to say the intimate confines of House of Blues brings you closest to the music. Well, that's because. Yeah, it it's the it's the kind of venue where do you, I, I'm trying to think of what the term is in the comedy clubs. I think they call it the drop. It's the point of the show where the waiter, or the waitress drops the check at all the tables. <laughs> and then you feel all the energy suck out of the room. This is the kind of venue where that happens, that there's a lot of tables and there's a standing room pit area in front of the tables. But when the check is coming out, you see a lot of people, they're no longer looking at the stage anymore. <laughs> they're a little bummed. They went from having the time to their life to, oh, it's oh. $18 Miller Light Night? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well. Stephen Piercy on this episode, uh, really Stephen, quick. Stephen Piercy on the next episode. Next. We'll, oh, get, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get into that. We've double teased this one. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> well, the bottom line is this. Uh, you go from no news to some news. You never know what's going to happen. The first show is what? Uh, three weeks away? Um, my math is pretty bad today. Three and a half? Yeah. Three and a half weeks. What could happen? What could be done or said in these three and a half weeks? Anything? More paintings? Maybe another little... another. Music drop. Do you extend a few more? Do these shows sell out fast enough? You extend a few more dates. Oh, I would throw something through a window if that happened. And you know what? You know what's kind of why? Why Vegas? I, you do the shows in Vegas. You don't announce his retirement, and then a couple months later, maybe at the a few months later, you ended in you ended in Los Angeles, where it started in Pasadena. If there's even a venue there, but somewhere, do you know yeah. what I mean? Just back it home, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, and it's his biggest show, and it's a fair, farewell show, and it's a TV special. Well, and now you're just fantasizing. <laughs> I, I am. Don't call it a purist. I think that the product is good. It's just sometimes the product is good, and the management behind it is terrible. The and presentation leaves something to be desired. Yeah. For example, and this this could be a rant of sorts here. I don't think I ever did this rant on the podcast, but I think that if you there in Vegas, if you put together a show that was White Snake, Alice Cooper, and Poison, it could sell out an arena like ten nights. But if it was just White Snake and Poison, people would go, hmm, I saw that before. If it was Alice Cooper and Poison, you go, no. But you put that third band of hits in there. You go, oh, that's a fun show. Three bands of hits. I think with Roth, if you said it's going to be an all-day festival, you remember that really weird classic East, classic West festival that they did? That was Fleetwood Mac, the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other bands like that six, seven years ago. And they just did two days at City Field and then two days, I think, at Dodger Stadium. And it did really well. I think if you package David Lee Roth effectively with a cool in the gang, with this, with that, if you package it really well, it will sell. But he won't let people advise. I think that's the thing and, that we learned. 
And but you know what? That kind of package, you don't do that package with a power trio, quote unquote power trio. You yeah. gotta flesh it out. You need something more. And and when you think of it, I mean he's never really done that on tour. It's always been the classic guitar driven band. Is that what what I'm hearing? You need those mambo slammers. There you go. You can, I mean, seriously, he was kind of ahead of his time with that. Yeah. And I'm not saying you go fully in that direction, but I think you just throw a couple curveballs out and out there. And I like to. Yeah, we have no idea what his motivation is. I I gotta believe. I got to believe that if he wasn't enjoying still singing and being on stage, he just wouldn't do it at all. I don't think he needs the money, for God's sakes. No, 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 no. He definitely does not need the money. And if he needed the money, he would be doing the kind of circuits we see so many other bands doing, even during COVID, right? I mean, he would just, he would be doing every, God, that guy could do every casino. Yeah. Right? I do a, a easy casino tour where they just have backline. The band shows up, they fly them in and out. That's it. And you know, you go from the Ho Chunk Casino in Wisconsin or whatever over to you know the small room at Foxwoods. Over to I mean, there's enough of them. I mean, God, there's six alone in Minnesota for goodness sakes. Yeah. Some of them I don't even know where they are. I mean, they're like way out there. And all of a sudden you'll see some band list. It's like I never even heard what the what. It's like, really, Vince Neil's going there and don't get me started <laughs> on that note. No, not only does he not need the money, he also. One of the things that we've seen a lot in the last two and a half years are these consortium venture capitalist firms buying up the publishing of classic rock peers. So when you see Stevie Nicks getting 90 million dollars for her catalog, was Stevie Nicks bigger than David Lee Roth? Well, I think the thing you have to look at, I mean, she had some really major big radio airplay hits, okay? Mm-hmm. Dave, you know, and and the, I don't know how the publishing split when she was in Fleetwood Mac, right? Does she get, you know, does she have, uh, does she have the publishing, I'm assuming a stake in the publishing for Gypsy or whatever, the song she, right? I think she only has the songs that she wrote. Fleetwood Mac was not an even Stevens kind of thing, the way that Van Halen was. Right. So if the Van Halen, if Van Halen, there's some massive publishing deal that gets split. However, it's still split now. Didn't they go back and kind of cut Michael Anthony out of some stuff? Yeah. But if, but you will not see an announcement for David Lee Roth getting a hundred million dollars for his solo output. Sorry. It's just not going to happen. No, but if you take that publishing of those first six albums that have Jump and Panama and Run, right, right, that's what I'm saying. And then the stuff that came from the first few Warner's albums, that's a fifty to ninety million dollar kind of deal. So what I'm getting at is the millions of dollars that he makes a year in passive publishing income from these songs being played at football stadiums and on the radio. Every now and then you see like the movie Ready Player One opens up with Jump. They're still getting some sync licensing. Super bad, used Panama, etc. He does not need the no, money. No, that's the thing. So, so to cir- yeah, to circle all the way back, the, the bottom line, pardon that pun for the hundredth time, is that... That's the bottom line. There you go. Is that, um, you know, Dave is more than two fools a minute. I couldn't resist that. That's just horrible. Uh, and- hey, that's life. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you know, basically, I think Dave's whole mantra is it's no big thing. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, what I'm getting at is that 
the at the very least, I guess he's doing this because he still loves to perform, loves to sing, yeah. loves to loves to, you know, I mean, I would bet putting it. I would think putting together a band, the changes, the rehearsal. It he's working his ass off. It can be a real pain in the ass because on Tuesday you think you got a drummer. The following Wednesday, maybe <laughs> that guy's bailing. Right? I mean, these are all hired guns, and not not to say that that's bad, but he can be mercurial with who, who he wants in these bands, and people, you know, people go because for different reasons, and you got to all of a sudden find somebody else get them in with the band again. And so it's a lot of work. So if you do you do all this work, unless deep down you real and you don't need the money, what are you doing it? I mean, because you love to still do it. Right. Yeah. Well, there's one thing, there's one last detail I did not talk about from the press release from house of blues. And that's the first sentence that says due to popular demand, David Lee Roth frontman and voice of Van Halen. And wait, wait, he is the voice of Van Halen. This is him staking his flag in the ground and officially sticking it to Stammy, who played the same exact venue within the last month. Is, yeah, I suppose. I mean, that's is that just another way of saying former lead vocalist of Van Halen? I mean. No, he's the voice of the Van- voice. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I hear it. Well, he's made that announcement in the last year in various yeah. forms last couple of years. So. All right. On that note, on that bright, shiny, positive, optimistic note. (laughs) To be determined. And by the time we get this up, for all we know, there'll be six more paintings and he's going to be on Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) On local Vegas TV. You know, remember, you occasionally get a a comic or a local celebrity, you know, somebody who's playing the local room, get be the guest meteorologist. On do local you, news channels. How cool would that be? Wow. We got remember, a cold front coming in. Do you remember when Stephen Colbert was premiering a show on CBS and he was doing some warm up by doing public access shows in Michigan and Eminem came on the, the public access show? <laughs> no. Well, you know, stranger things have happened, but who knows what it's Vegas. Dave does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. So God bless him. Exactly. I, I, I would say your morning bet, your, your bet will be morning radio. That's where his next interview, the Vegas morning station, he's going to decide he's spinning all the records all week long. All right. Coming up next on the Buzz Classic Morning Show. Right after this, we got David Lee Roth talking about his shows next week at the House of Blues. Wow. And then he's playing Brazilian EDM. and <laughs> <laughs> No. Oh, God. God help us. All right, folks. Thanks for downloading and streaming the DLR cast. If you had, if you had half as much fun listening to this as we did making it, well, that's a win in our book, I guess. So, yes, the DLR cast on Twitter, the DLR cast at Outlook.com. Yes, the DLR cast at Outlook.com. Drop us a line. Give us, Give us uh, the tips. Ask us questions. Missing. Yeah. If you're at these new shows, you let us know. Absolutely. Darren will be there looking for you. (laughs) Can't guarantee he'll buy you a drink, but you'll have a good conversation nevertheless. Yes. All right. Thanks, folks. (laughs) All right.